Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. This is Darren. And today we're going to be talking about some games we've been playing lately. We're going to be sharing some news Kickstarter items. And then we're going to be looking at our Christmas shopping guide. So thanks for joining us as we seek to build community through board gaming. This is episode 152. Residents of Meeple Town, welcome to the Christmas shopping season. We hope that you have recovered from your Thanksgiving food comas and you have recovered from the, the bruises and broken bones and torn ligaments from your Black Friday shopping. You know, actually, I, I say that and I feel like Black Friday shopping isn't what it used to be. You know, I remember the good old days where you would have to line up outside of a Best Buy or a Walmart for hours. You'd camp there overnight and you would go in fighting tooth and nail to get that very special gift. Uh, these days, Black Friday started like a month ago, Dean. I, feel like I, I think I saw some Black Friday deals on Halloween. Um, what has been your Black Friday shopping experience? Uh, Black Friday, no no shopping on Black Friday for me. Good it's for funny you. because Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving, Halloween was not on Friday. <laughs> How can you just call Black Friday like every day is Black Friday? It's just become a thing now. It's a cultural phenomenon. And I think the name of it actually originates, one, yes, it was a Friday after Thanksgiving, but two, because of all the black eyes that were given during the shopping of the the, the season. The I gifts, miss those. Whatever. I, I miss those days. Now it's too much online shopping. There's not enough face punching and stomping and all of that <laughs> stuff that goes along with it. Did you ever work retail, Darren? Did you, did you ever get the experience from the other side of things? I did. I did. Uh, there towards the end of my, my high school and part of my college career, I worked at an old department store no longer around called Casternot. Um, <laughs> was later bought out by Dillard's and Macy's. And so, yes, I was on the other side because being the the lackey part-timer that I was, I had to work all the holidays. And so we'd get there early and do all that crazy stuff. It was madness. Let me tell you, you want to see the the deplorable depths that humanity will go to you work retail in the shopping season one on days like Black Friday and also the days after Christmas when all the returns come back mm. and everybody is lying to you about all these things that they bought or so-and-so happened and they need to bring this back to get some store credit. Oh my word. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I worked at Walmart and so I'm very familiar with that. Hey, the Castronaut building downtown, this has nothing to do with anything, but it's still there. In uh, on Commerce Street in Nashville, I think that's where it is, somewhere around there. Is it really? It's not still a Castronaut, though. No, 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 no. But it still says Castronaut. I think I'm pretty sure oh, it does. Wow. Yeah, I was walking by there. I mean, sometime in the last couple months, I thought. Um, I can see where it is in my mind. Maybe, maybe they've changed it over. But within the last year or two, for sure, it's had. It's still said Castronaut on there. Dude, I need to go back and check that out. That brings back the nostalgic feels, like walking down. Um, you know, in New York City and seeing the Macy's building there with all the Christmas decorations, walking past the old downtown Castronaut uh, has those same types of, of feels for me. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Well, don't get your hopes up because it's, <laughs> it's not functioning. It, it is something, but I don't, I, it is not Castronaut. Castronaut, oh, not well. Castronauts. Right. Castronaut. Okay. Two T's. The old people say Castronauts. <laughs> like well, the COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of old people, we want to thank we want to thank Eric Weiborg. I, don't, I actually have no, no <laughs> idea. How old is Eric? <laughs> I have no idea how Eric is. He actually looks pretty young in his picture. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know how to transition out of that. So 
Eric, I mentioned his name on the last episode who supported us through Patreon, uh, excuse me, supported us through Buy Me a Coffee, has recently become a Patreon supporter as well. So we are super thankful for Eric supporting us in that way. I want to take a minute. I know I say a lot of, you know, support us in these ways. I really appreciate it. But what hit me this week, Darren, is I've said buy me a coffee a lot, but I've never really explained it, maybe. And <laughs> okay. it probably sounds like a lot of people are just buying us coffee, which is fine because I drink a lot of coffee and I'm okay with that. Amen. But Buy Me a Coffee is actually a website where you can go support content creators. You can support, uh, I guess, lots of different things, um, people, projects, that sort of thing. But it's it, I, it's we use it to support content creators as a one-time gift instead of Patreon, which is like a monthly support system set up. So you can support on Patreon monthly by, you know, giving one, two, five dollars or whatever a month. Um, even up to uh, at some point we had somebody giving 20 or $25 a month, something around those lines. Um, so you can support that way. And that is uh, patreon.com slash meepletown. Or if you're like, I really want to support, but I don't want to do it on a monthly thing, then you can do that through buymeacoffee.com slash meepletown nine. And we will um, appreciate that. All that goes towards our hosting and all that good stuff. And I promise I'll not keep talking about this every single episode. However, it does help, especially this time of year when we got all these bills coming in to pay for hosting. So anyway, thanks for Eric Weiborg for all your support and all of our Patreon and Buy Me A Coffee supporters. All right. But anyway, that is um, that is ways to support us. Now, we've been playing some games lately, Darren. I don't know if you're ready to move on to this, but I am because I have some thoughts. Okay. <laughs> I'm a reasonable person. I feel like I'm a pretty mm-hmm. kind person and debatable. Maybe self-aware at times. At times. Not all the time. If I make a mistake, I am willing to say, you know what? I made a mistake. And I'll come back to Maple Town and say, you know what? I'm sorry, but I was wrong. I'm gonna do that today, Darren. I'm gonna do it today. About a game that you and I played in person. With Johnny Meepletown and with Steph Hodge and with Jonathan, our our buddy Jonathan, our, our, our friend, friend excuse me, our friend Jonathan. Well, technically, I think it's Steve's friend Jonathan now. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Steve O'Rourke's friend Jonathan. That's right. And we played this at PAX U a couple years ago, a roll and write game called Riverside. Now, this is a game that got some pretty good reviews when we all played it, we were all kind of ho-hum on it. This is by the designer of uh, Revive, which is a game that you know I've played recently that I really enjoy, The Magnificent, um, lots of other good ones, Santa Maria, Avenue, Kokoro. Those are all games that I enjoy, okay? Except Santa Maria, and I've not played it, but it's one I want to play. This game, we didn't love. And it felt like it was just, it was fine. And so I decided to pick it up. (laughs) (laughs) Like you do. All right. So I was getting some some Christmas and wintry games. And I saw this on there. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw it on. I watched a couple more reviews. And I was like, maybe I was wrong. And so I got it to the table probably three or four times this week, actually. And I was, in fact, wrong. This is a roll and write game where you're rolling dice. And you are picking one of the numbers to x off these little circles for a boat basically you're on a riverboat and you're cruising around going to these different locations trying to get the most points 
and you're going to roll a green die that determines how far the boat moves. And then you're going to roll, uh, I think, five other dice. And these are, correspond to a different boat. If I pick the number five pink, then I cross off five uh, of the checkmark boxes on the pink boats. And you're going to get bonuses as you check off different rows and potentially get some special abilities if you cross off the two smiley faces that are present on each boat. And that is really the gist of it. There's, there's more to it because some... Some of the people on the boat, um, they don't want to be cold, and it's it's in a wintry setting, and so they're like, we want to hang out in the warm area, and if you want to use them, then you have to heat them up, basically, to get them to go out and do anything, which I think is ridiculous. If you're on a river cruise, and it's you know a wintry location, you should be prepared for that, but not in this game. Anyway, that is all you do in this game, and try to get the most points. It gives me the feels of... What's the Wolf, uh, Wolfgang Vorsch game that everybody really loves? Gontron, the, the Roller Right? Gontron yeah. Kleva. Yep. Or it That's Pretty Clever. Gives me feels of that, although I like Riverside better than that. And I, I've never been the biggest fan of That's So Clever myself, but I, I get it. I mean, it's fun, and I played the digital version for a while. Riverside is pretty simple, but it's, but it's also really fun, and you... Yeah, you really are trying to get the highest score, trying to get a 300, which is, if you're playing solo, which I have played this week as well, then the, like, you're trying to get 300 to just beat the game, and I think I got three, just over 300 one time, but that's, there's, you can get so much higher. Uh, it's cool. I enjoy this game. You remember this one? It's been three I do years, remember this. Two years. Two years since we played it. Yep. I remember us playing it, and... Uh, again, we played it at my first con experience. And so I was not used to trying to learn rules quickly on the fly and play a game. And I feel like a lot of times when you're at conventions, having been to a few now, oftentimes some games fall prey to that convention play where you try to learn something really quick and you just try to get it done. And therefore you're not picking up on one, maybe not all the rules but two, all the nuances of the game because you're just moving from one thing to the next. I felt like even in the moment we played it, that this game could have fallen prey to that. Like I remember not even knowing fully what all was going on while we were playing it. Um, so I can definitely see how this one may have come back, come back around for you. It is a beautiful looking rolling right, rolling mm -hmm. right, and I do like the idea of it. I wouldn't mind giving it another shot as well, even though those typically aren't some of my favorite games, but. Um, but no, I can get how, how that comes back around. Um, just because, again, I think it, for me anyway, I think it was subject to, to con play. Yeah. Yep. That I, I feel very much that's what the case was for me, which makes me think that I need to do conventions better than what I've done them in the past of just trying to knock out a bunch of games and see what I like and see what I don't like. Um, especially with this one that did have so much, it had so many good reviews back in the day. And <laughs> I, I don't know. I was like, we none of us really loved it. I don't, you know, at the time that I remember, but yeah, it, it was I pretty was funny because I remember, and we all may have been, because I remember hearing everyone that talked about it, talked about it pretty favorably, even though it's, it's like, it's like a 7.1 on BGG, you know, so most people consider it a good game, but I felt like we were the only ones that were like, eh, <laughs> mm -hmm. on the game, everybody else seemed to like it. So maybe we missed something the first time around. Yeah. Well, apparently I did because I, I really enjoy this one. This is going to stay in now with this, you know, I did my top top roll and write games this year with uh 
with Keith Law, I think is who I did that with. Would this have made the list? I don't know. You know, probably not, but I, it would have been in, in, consideration, in, in consideration. I would have considered putting this game on the list because it's simple to play, but it's also, it's pretty fun. And I do think the decisions are more interesting than I remember. So anyway, Riverside actually is a win for me. So I apologize to Stronghold <laughs> Game. I, I apologize to the designers, but I was wrong two years ago. But look at me. I purchased it and I'm I'm a a big person. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Dean. You're a big boy. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so that was a purchase for you then, correct? Out of our past play and purchase, you recommend the purchase. Is yes. That what I'm yeah, hearing? absolutely. It was okay. the past couple years ago and now it was a straight up to a per- purchase. Yep. That happens sometimes too. Our taste yeah. change sometimes. Well, I'm going to be talking about another game that uh, I did not play at a convention, but I did pick up at a convention. Um, this is World Wonders, a recent game that came out this year. I made its uh, U.S. release anyway at Gen Con, and that's where I picked it up. And there's just not getting around to playing it with some friends and family here recently. And this is a one to five player game, plays in 50 to 70 minutes, designed by Z Mendez, Brazilian designer and uh, originally published in Brazil but was brought to the States by Arcane Wonders this year. And this is an ancient city building polyomino tile placement game where you are trying to build the most prosperous city by scoring the most victory points. And so on your turn, you just simply, and this is one of the great things about the game, the turns are pretty simple. You're just buying something and placing it on your board. Like that's it. The things you're buying are stuff like roads. There's long roads and there's short roads. And you can place them by other roads or by a tower. Uh, You can buy towers, which are placed basically on any land space. You can buy city districts, which are different shaped and different colored uh, and different cost, costed, cost. They cost different (laughs) things. Um, And those are those you can place by roads or by other tiles of the same color. And then of course there's monuments. If you've seen pictures of this game, the monuments are kind of the star here because they've got these great big wooden chunky uh, monuments from all around the world throughout all of civilization. And they all have their own card that gives their own placing restrictions and requirements and um, and the cost for them, which is basically the rest of your gold. And that's one of the things that's interesting about this game is that you have like a gold allowance. You're not trying to get gold to buy things. Just every turn, you've got seven gold to spend unless you take out a loan, which you've got to pay back later with interest to get a little bit extra. But you've got seven gold to spend. So you can take turns, you know, you'll buy something and place something. So everybody else will go. You'll buy something and place something. Everybody else will go. But at the end of your turn, however much gold you've got left, that's what you spend to buy a monument. You want to get a monument on your first turn? That's the only thing you're doing. You're going to spend all of your gold. You want to press your luck a little bit and see if that monument hangs around a little bit longer? You can wait and maybe get the Colosseum for one gold. That's a steal. Then that's one of the fun parts about this game is the whole pressure luck element. You know there's stuff out there, but all the supply is limited. So once those roads are gone, they're gone. They won't refresh till the next round. So there's a little bit of this limited supply, push your luck element that makes this game a lot of fun. You're going to keep going round and round for 10 rounds or until somebody maxes out their population track because you also have this resource board that not only keeps up with your gold, but also keeps up with your food and your ceramics and your gears. And so every time you buy a city tile, you get some type of resource increase. And as you increase up those tracks, 
you're going to pass over these population spaces, which increases your population. And so again, the game end will trigger after 10 rounds or when somebody maxes out their populations. And so when all that ends, you're going to score like a point for all your city city districts that are completely surrounded. Like they've got to be totally surrounded. Um, You're going to score points for any like uncovered natural resource spaces. You're going to score for your lowest resource. And that's one thing I love when games do that. We're all trying to get these resources and move up these tracks, but you're only scoring your lowest one. So that way you can't neglect something. So you're going to score as many points as you have for your lowest resource. And you're going to score victory points for how much your monument is worth. And that's where one of the tricky thing is about this game is that you've got these beautiful wooden chunky monuments out there that you can purchase that take up a whole lot of space, which now that you're trying to surround things is really good. But the monuments are mostly only worth one point. Some of them might be worth two. Some of them may give you an extra resource when you buy them. But it's funny because everyone's, the first time or two you're playing this, everyone's trying to get these monuments. But the monuments really in the grand scheme of things aren't that big of a deal. You know, so you've got to find a balance of, yeah, I want that cool monument, but I also need to surround this city tile because if I don't surround that city tile, it's not going to score at the end of the game. So you have that that balance of trying to figure out, okay, what's the what's the most profitable thing for me to do here? It should move really quick. The, the rule book even says once somebody buys something, you can go ahead and start your next turn with our, while they are trying to figure out how to place it. The funny thing is sometimes it comes back around to that person's turn and they're still placing that one piece. Oh, wow. You know, so, so it can, it can slow down. It should be quick and snappy, but it can slow down if somebody is AP prone or trying to mid-max something. Um, I really like the pressure luck uh, aspect of this. And sometimes some of the placement rules are hard to remember. There's been a time or two where like, oh, I put that road where it wasn't supposed to go. And so you kind of have to help police each other on that. Not out of fear of somebody cheating, but just because it's easy to forget sometimes uh, when you're placing stuff. So, but it's, it's really fun. It's light and breezy. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a necessity. Like, obviously I purchased this. I paid full price for this, like 50 bucks at Gen Con, but I think I saw it the other day on Amazon or somewhere else for 30 something. Mm. So I would say for me, I would think it's a play for sure out of our past play purchase deal. But if you can pick it up for 30 bucks, I think it could easily be a, a purchase for someone that just wants a light um, strategy game that you can easily teach and, uh, and just play. And, you know, again, 10 rounds can feel like it goes, sounds like it goes for, for too long, but once you're actually doing it, it's really not, you kind of need that much to build everything out to make it feel like you've done something. But I don't know, you, you have any interest in, in this one? Quite a bit. This is actually one I would like to be on the pile when we see each other soon. Okay. Um, is there a deluxe version of this or is that, is that the version? Like there's only one. That version. is the version, only one, which you got to really appreciate when you've got other games out there, like foundations of Rome, um, where everything is chunky and big and plastic. And then you've got yeah. a game like this. That's mostly cardboard with a few chunky wooden meeples that makes it look nice. Yeah. That's really pretty. It, it's, uh, yep. Uh, it makes me think of, and I know it doesn't play like it, but New York zoo, um, gives me feels of, mm. of the look of it. The production is, is really good like that. Have you played New York Zoo? I have not. I have not, but I do love uh Uwe Rosenberg tile placement games. So, yeah. 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 Well, very cool. I um I would like to play this one. I know we've got a lot of other games to play, so it might not actually happen, but this is Yeah, it's getting good reviews and it just looks really pretty. It looks like something I would enjoy. 
All right. Well, I'll throw it in the bag and bring it with me to Nashville. That was World Wonders. All right. Now we're going to get to some news and Kickstarter items. Let's check it out. Okay. It is the news time. Here we are looking at the news. Now, the first item of business, Darren, is not actually really a news item. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I mean, I guess it is, but it's it's more of a, this is something that was said on Twitter with not a lot, and by not a lot, I mean, like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this was a uh, Eric Lang, who is my favorite designer. Um, Eric Lang made a post on X. This, uh, I'm trying to think, when was it? It was, I'm saying this last week, but actually we're a couple weeks out. So on November 15th is when this was posted. Eric Lang said, so hi, I'm finally allowed to say I'm doing a game with Hasbro, a big one. You've never seen a Hasbro game like it. It's coming in 2024. Can't say more for a bit. This is officially a tease. And after I stop weeping, Happy tears. (laughs) I took a screenshot, sent it to you and John and Jonathan, I believe. And that's all we got. There's there. And maybe by the time the episode releases, maybe there's going to be more information going on there. But what I wanted to do is take like 30 seconds or so to speculate, which is the most fun news. (laughs) That's the best part. So what do you think, Darren? What do we got here? Blood Rage Monopoly. Blood Rage Monopoly. There you go. That's not right. That you're absolutely wrong, actually. He said there's nothing like it. You've not there seen is nothing like it. Blood Rage Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, I, I went a similar direction in my prediction. I was thinking, and I don't think either one of these are right, by the way. I think it is a Viking-themed risk game. But here's mm. what I actually think. I think it's a brand new game that is neither one of those. Um, who was it? Mattel a couple years ago did some more hobby-ish board games. I don't really know how several of those went. I, I've got one, or I had one sitting up on my shelf. Spirit of Spirit of the Wind, Spirit of the Wild, something like that. A little two-player. Sounds like a Disney movie. I think it was Mattel that did that. But anyway, I I think this is just going to be something totally different. Is my guess. I think that somehow. Um, they got connected, and Eric Lang has big ideas for some amazing games, and Hasbro is going to be the one that's going to publish it. I think it even could be Hasbro has their own like Kickstarter thing, right? Am I misremembering? Uh, yeah, that? Pulse, and that right, Hasbro Pulse. So they did that for when they did the. Um, oh my goodness, I am so full of important the important information that I need. But it was a reprint of a game that came out years ago, a modular game with hexes and all that. Anyway, one that Rob Davio was involved in back in the day. And it was uh, not super well received, the reprint of it. But this could be what's next in that line, is my guess. Thoughts there? Yeah, here's my next guess. Okay. Blood Rage Stratego. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you don't listen to anything I say, is what I think. Um, I wasn't. I was looking up Stratego to make sure it was uh, <laughs> not done by Hasbro before. Uh, was that worth working. it, Darren? Was it worth it to do that? Absolutely, because <laughs> I would actually buy a Blood Rage Stratego if that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, who knows what this is, but I know that I'm super excited about it, and I think it has the potential 
to be something really cool. Um, they've got, yeah, this HasLab, um, yeah, they just do lots of cool stuff. So not just board games, but like if you go to the Hasbro Pulse website, the first thing that pops up is this Ghostbusters HasLab. It's like this uh, Ghostbusters trap set that looks just like the movie. And so like they're just doing cool mm. things, a lot of really cool things. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this what this might look like. But as it is, we've got nothing. All we know is he's doing something with Hasbro. That's my item of the news. I've got another one, but what you got? All right. So this uh, just just announced. You know, Dean, some would say, at least I would, that we seem to be in the middle of a Kinesia Renaissance. I'm sorry, let me specify that. We seem to be in the middle of a Kinesia reprint renaissance Mm -hmm. where lots of games of Kinesias are being reprinted in great, much more elaborate deluxe productions and they're just doing gangbusters and people are going nuts over them, especially me. Well, there's another one. Uh, This just in, Trick or Treat Studios is going to be reprinting Kinesia's Prosperity, which I think was originally a 1986 game, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm reading that right. And that is now going to be um, called City of Life, which is all about them zombies, baby, because what (laughs) sells Kinesia better than zombies? It says, and this is from the BGG page, that zombies have taken over in City of the Living. A new edition of the game first releases prosperity. We must rebuild. But amongst the masses of dead, our cities of the living must do it better than they did in the past. Hold off the zombies and build up your territory to be declared the best leader. This, And again, from what I understand, it's almost a straight reprint out for as far as gameplay and game rules and all that stuff goes. But it's obviously going to have a thematic overlay and there's going to be a few balancing tweaks and issues. And I'm sure they'll probably throw in some other kind of modular expansion or something. But it's basically Prosperity. Did you ever play Prosperity? Um, I did not. No, no, I didn't. I remember seeing some things on this. Um, you're wrong about. <laughs> I'm wrong. The 1986 version, I think. Okay. I think that's is right. Not, there is a that's 1986 I, version that's not a Kinesia game. Oh, okay. Then when uh, was but the I, other I, one? I'm sorry, I'm struggling to find out where uh, any more information about about that. That was a that was a different game. Um. Yep, I got nothing. I got nothing on that. But the answer is no to your first question. That no, I did not play. I did not play Prosperity. Okay. Well, apparently this is a, and I just lost my my page on it. This is a tile laying, um, open drafting economic environmental game. And again, you say Kinesia and zombies and I'm there. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm looking at, I, it's, I kind of don't like when they do this. All of this is just lumped together. So if you go to click on prosperity, it actually just goes straight to city of the living. I would have liked to be able to separate these a little bit easier. 2013 was the release of it. Originally, it looks like. Okay. Gotcha. But if I remember right, this was one that was, well, it's got 6.7 
on BGG, but I felt like there were a lot of people that really liked this. I felt like this was yeah. one that Rado really liked, if I remember right. Does that seem correct? Uh, I'm not sure about Rado, but one thing that I find interesting is that a lot of the games that are getting reprinted, and not just Kinesia's, but but others as well. Uh, and now that I think about it, especially about Trick or Treat, you know, they reprinted those two card games, uh, Tricks and Treats and Halloween Party by Emerson Matsuchi and, um, oh goodness, right now the name escapes me. But they're, they're reprinting these older games that aren't necessarily like great games, at least by BGG standards. If you look at the rankings, a lot of them are sixes, yeah, you know, but they keep picking them up and reprinting them. But man, I keep buying them. So they're doing something right. Trick or Treat is on a roll right now. And so I'm excited to see what they do with this one. I would imagine it would not be super expensive. Maybe, maybe that's a reason. Maybe it's cheaper to get games that aren't super well received in that way. And, and you know, who knows? It probably was better received than what BGG reflects. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, that's very true. That's a good idea. Good, good point there. But yep, City of the Living coming in. Oh, I want to say they said quarter one of 2024, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Okay. Well, let me, let me jump back real fast, Darren, before I get to my next news item. It is HeroScape. I don't know why I couldn't think of what that, the name of that was, but that's what Hasbro posted. I'm wanting to say that was like one of their first ones, if not their first um, game that they kicked on there to use some secret cabal language, but (laughs) please don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I absolutely hate family that. Show. This is a family show. <laughs> oh, but but anyway, I yep. Sorry, I, I I will not dwell on that any any longer. But you were talking about prosperity, city of the living, whatever you want to call it. Looks cool. I'm interested yep. in that. My next item is one that was announced by Matthew Lillard, who is from Scream. That's how ah! I. That, sorry. That's how I know who he is, and also Scooby Doo, and then he's also credited uh, for Five Five Nights at Freddy's, mm, which okay. I, I'm guessing is the new release of that. I don't I don't know anything about that. I just hear people talking about it. So Old Man Dean, I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing. But anyway, from Scream, which is my wife's favorite scary movie, and uh, he crushed it in that movie. I really enjoyed that, and he is connected with uh, with Beetle and Grimm. And they are bringing this game called Ring of Beetles, Beetle and Grimm's, excuse me, which is Beetles, Beetle and Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse. Now, they create items for tabletop RPGs, uh, lots of different items that you can use in your campaigns, which is really cool. Well, they decided to create this game called the um, called Ring of Chaos, where it's a three to six player game you are taking on the role of one of these different factions and you are bad. It's, it's card uh, kind of card driven, even though it is a, also a board game, but it's mostly card driven where you are trying to compete for the ring of chaos. So this is a competitive game. You're going to take on your faction and try to beat out the other factions to be able to get the one ring of chaos. And so I've not seen a ton of the art for the cards, although I've seen art for other things that are available for it. Now, they do have videos, uh, the playthrough videos that I've not watched, but I've read through kind of the the overview and, and all the stuff that you can see on the um, on the main page. So and there is also a preview of the rule book on here. 
but that's it. Again, three to six players taking on that role. It comes with these um, acrylic standees, but the, they're only really used to track things like to track your location on the board and then to track your um, one of your tracks. I can't remember what the track was, something along the lines of like your, I don't know, your spirit or your something, something that you're tracking. And so that's it. You can also get the deluxe version of this, which has the uh, miniature, uh, it's Sundrop miniatures of those. Um, yep, and that's it. So there's 16 of those standees, one pair for each party. So if I'm playing, you know, one of these factions, like the Undead faction or whatever, I get two of those, one to mark my place on the map and the other one to keep up with the track. So I, I'm really interested in this. I'll be honest, I'm not going to back it, um, but it has nothing to do with the game itself. I just don't have a group to play this with right now, but if I did, I would really, really want to check this out because I, I just think it looks cool. I like the art on it. I think the especially because it is a pretty minimal production as far as board games are, are concerned, they did a good job of producing it well for you know for for the items that you do have. So that is, it's one I'm going to keep an eye on. It has done really well. Um, got to go back up here. It's got, let's see, pledged three hundred twenty three thousand of twenty five thousand dollar gold that they had. They've got thirty one hundred backers on here, with eighteen days left to go. So actually, when this game when this episode drops. You won't have a whole lot of time to back this if you're interested, but I, I think it's cool. I was drawn into watching it because I like Matthew Lillard, but then I got to looking at the game and I thought, wow, this is this is really cool. And he's involved in the design process and with the company as well. So, Yeah, I think it's always interesting when you have people from uh, some other type of notoriety or fame, um, particularly like those who are musical artists or movie stars or what have you, that brings some type of notoriety to a hobby like this. And I know a lot of that you see happening in the RPG world, but I especially find it uh, interesting when you see that happening in the board game world. So I've got no interest in the game in itself, but um, I do love the fact that someone like him and his company are, are making a board game, which again, just kind of brings more, more notice, more eyes to, to what's going on in the hobby. I think that's super cool. Yeah, the crossover between not just with him, but also with tabletop RPGs. Yeah, like, yeah, all, all that I think is cool. Right, right. So, so that is Ring of cool. Chaos from Beatles and Grimm. Beatles and Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse. There we go. <laughs> too much, too much to say. First try. <laughs> what you got? You got one more for us? Or multiple I ones for us? I don't think so. Okay. All right. That's it. That's it for the news. <laughs> hey, if you want us to talk about things in the news, like if you're doing a project and you're like, hey, I'd like for you guys to talk about this, then uh, definitely reach out to us. Um, we're just kind of finding things that are interesting to us, but Mapletown might have some things that are interesting to them. So send those along. And if you have any questions in general, we also like to go to the Mapletown mailbag on occasion. So you can send those to mapletownmail at gmail.com. Now let's get to our Christmas purchasing Christmas buyer's guide. Oh, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, Meeple Town. As you're getting ready 
or maybe you've already done this. Maybe you're getting ready to go out and and do some shopping, buy those Christmas gifts for for friends, for family, maybe yourself. Uh, we thought it would be nice to kind of stop and just talk about a few different categories of games and just throw out some potential ideas of the types of games that maybe you might want to purchase for others or for yourself uh, during this this holiday shopping season. We've got, very fittingly enough, 12 categories of games that we're going to be going through. And Dean and I will each be mentioning a one game per category that we think may be fitting for that. And these aren't necessarily our favorite games in these categories. Uh, These aren't necessarily old or newer games. It's just sort of games that we thought that one are available. (laughs) First and foremost, games that we think are available for you to pick up and purchase, whether that be through Amazon or uh, some some big box stores or local game stores or especially an online retailer, some games you can pick up there, but also games that we think that really fit and are, are, are easy to pick up and easy to play and just can bring a lot of joy to you and others during this season. I mean, to, to me, Dean, one of the beautiful things about gaming during the holidays and giving games as gifts, even to families that are non-gamers, is because it gives you a reason, especially during the holidays when you're sitting around at home, usually more time than you normally are. Um, it gives you reasons to get together and gives you things to do. Uh, and sometimes it's in the holidays when we pick up a game and we play that, um, wow, just some really interesting things can can happen uh, relationally or just you know, getting people um, interested in, in, in the hobby. Yep. Yeah. I'm ready to do this. Are we, are we ready? All right. We're ready. Let's make it happen. Captain. All right. Well, we got first, we got two player games first. Am I correct? Yep. Let's talk about two player games. What two player game do you recommend our residents pick up this holiday season? All right. Well, this is a new game. I'm not necessarily going new on all of these, but I, I did try to, you know, I want to stay relevant, Darren. I want people to, to you know, be hip. I want you to to uh, chase after the, the new, brand new, shiny thing out there. So this is a two-player cooperative game called Sky Team. And this one did just release this year. One player takes on the role of the pilot. The other one is a co-pilot. And you are trying to land the plane now you can communicate in between rounds but then once you start the round then you cannot communicate communicate with each other and you have to wait to the end of the round then you can communicate again you are rolling four dice and you're going to be placing these dice into different places on the board and different things are going to activate you're trying to clear the skies for your plane to be able to get into the airspace to be able to land you are trying to Um, tilt the plane or not tilt the plane make sure it's going straight when you land you want to get your flaps down you want to get the landing gear all in place all that has to come together all through dice placement now i've not played this physical copy but i've been playing it online in our meeple town residents of meeple town community on board game arena rhino and i've been playing this game together and i have really enjoyed it johnny meeple town just picked this one up i'm hoping he hates it so that he can pass it along to me (laughs) when he gets done with it but i really enjoy this one sky team very nice i'm looking forward to playing that one as well especially the coffee part there's like there's a coffee mechanism in there too right that's right as you it allows you to add or subtract a pip value to your die by by buying coffee that's awesome i want to uh, buying coffee are you buying coffee on the airplane dean well you have one person that's the pilot so you're, uh, and then the other person is in the tower. So you're sending someone out to get your coffee for you. 
Gotcha. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't know the, the thematic nature of that. Sweet. I like it. Uh, my two player game has nothing to do with, has nothing to do with coffee, but could potentially have something to do with flying. And that is Wingspan Asia. Uh, this is the technically the one to two player version of Wingspan, again, designed by Elizabeth Hargrave, published by Stonemaier Games. Um, it plays one to two players. It's really designed to be a two player game. Solo mode is okay. It does actually come with a way you can play Wingspan with six or seven players. I don't know why you would, but you can if you want to. It comes with the game. This is my favorite way of playing Wingspan, hands down. If you have Two players, wingspan, especially if you have the Oceana uh, expansion to come in with those nectar tokens, that is that is wingspan gold right there. What this adds is a board where you are now, uh, as you're playing cards, you're taking these various tokens that look that look like the yin and yang symbols. You're taking these tokens off of the board. And you're you're getting bonuses or scoring points or various things. It still plays like normal wingspan, but the sort of um, area control element that it adds to that board because some of your goals will will come from area control components of that. But just being able to get those extra bonuses and things as you're playing really makes this um, a fast, very interesting wingspan experience. Um, I can highly recommend Wingspan Asia for a two-player game for your Christmas buying pleasure. Very cool. I'm adding that to my list, actually. I really want to check that one out. And I love Wingspan. So great pick there, Darren. Now, around the holiday season, I'm guessing some of us might have some parties or go to some parties. And, you know, you don't really want to hang out and talk to your family. You want to play games so that you can avoid the (laughs) serious conversation of you know, why, you know, why aren't you married or whatever? I don't know. You know, lots of those conversations that happened at, at family get togethers. One game that I enjoy playing as a party game is green team wins. This has been a huge hit for, uh, for our family gatherings for this very reason, uh, not to avoid conversations, but to just enjoy time with family. But you've got these cards that are going to flip over. There are three different types of category, the best of three, this or that, or fill in the blank. And you are trying to put an answer on your whiteboard that will match up with the most amount of people. This is where you're trying to be, you're trying to think like a winner. It's the party game of thinking like a winner. And you want to go with the crowd on this game. So for example, if the card that flips over is this or that, and it's curly fries or waffle fries, you're going to write down one of those answers. Now you might want to just write down your favorite but what you really need to do is write down what you think everybody's favorite is even if it's not your favorite and if you win if you match up with the most amount of people then you're going to get a point and then you are going to flip your uh sorry flip your card over to the green side and now if you continue to win on the green side the green team winning then you're going to get you're going to get more and more points to be able to win the game Great, great time. I suggest picking this up to play and then maybe even buy an extra car, uh, extra box or two and giving it away as a like prize for whoever wins the game or something like that, because it's going to be a hit. It's been a hit with every group that I've played it with, and it's been a lot of different groups I've played it with, including my in-laws who never play games. This and So Clover are ones that they've played with us and a big hit. This is a huge hit for all ages. That is Green Team Wins. Awesome. Yeah, I hear lots of good things about that. I'm going to play that one. My contribution to the party game category is one that has never missed. 
It has always been a success uh, with friends, with family, with students, whomever. Uh, it it doesn't necessarily help you avoid any strange, difficult conversations that Dean seems to be alluding to. I'm not sure what's happening in his family gatherings. <laughs> But it does incite lots of interesting conversations. This is wits and wagers, particularly the It's Vegas Baby version. To me, that is by and far the best version of wits and wagers. There's lots of them out there, and they all kind of play the same. But the It's Vegas Baby is the best way to go. This came out in 2019. You can pick it up just about anywhere. This is designed by Dominic uh, Kapruchitz, published by Mattel and Northstar and, and many others. Uh, this is a, it's a betting trivia game, but you don't have to know the trivia. All the questions are designed to be questions that no one really knows the answer to, but they're, they're just enough to make you think you might could figure it out. Like how many elephants could fit in a blue whale or something along those lines, or how many lines are along the edge of a U.S. quarter, you know, things that you, and so basically everyone's going to have a little white card and and whiteboard marker, and they're going to write down the number. All the questions, answers have to do with numbers. You're going to write down the number. Everybody turns that in face down. When everybody's done, you flip it over and you reveal them, and then you arrange them in ascending order, and you put them out, at least in the it, It's Vegas Baby version, on a really nice rolled out, almost felt uh, board that has all these different ways of betting. You can bet on, you, you have these poker chips, and you're going to gain more poker chips throughout the game, and you can bet as many chips as you want, on, you know, whether which answer you think is the closest to the real answer without going over. And so you can bet on the exact one. You can bet on ranges of numbers. You can bet on just black or red. Uh, It very much feels almost like you're playing on a blackjack or a roulette table. And the, the, the answers always create fun, hilarious conversations uh, it really gets that thinking strategic kind of, you know, if you really want to get into it, you can really try to figure out some of this. Uh, it is just so much fun. It is one of my favorite party games of all time. If you've not played Wits and Wagers, it's Vegas, maybe, or picked it up, pick it up for someone or for yourself this holiday season. I think you will not be disappointed. I didn't realize the designer of this is is Dominic Krapichets, who who is a, actually a friend of the show. Um I don't know if he who listens to the show, but that's uh, that's cool. I really like Wits and Wagers. I've not played this version though. Yep, I think again, I've not played them all. I think it may be the most recent. It is the best. It is hilarious too. It's so much fun and pretty pretty inexpensive to pick up. Well, excellent. Ah, I, I'm gonna have to pick that one up. I don't have any version of Wits and Wagers. I really like that game though. It's it's been a hit. Whoever I've played it with. And if you look on the BGG page, it plays five up to 99 players. <laughs> you can play this with anybody, you know, any large groups of people. Dice Tower plays it on their cruises or on their uh, their their cons that they have. There's lots of different ways you can make this fit uh, different groups. So Wits and Wagers, good party game. Very cool and very good pick. Now, after a long night of family partying in the holiday season, you you want to get away from people, maybe. You might just want to be by yourself and you might want a solo game so that you don't have to talk to anybody else. And my solo game pick is one that could potentially be a little bit on the heavier side, although I don't think it's that heavy, especially because you play it over and over again. And that is Legacy of You. This is a Shem Phillips game, Garfield Games, uh, Renegade Games, I believe, uh, also publishes this in the 
uh, in the U.S. But in this game, you are trying to build a canal and uh, push off the barbarians and try to be try to gain fame as you the great. That's why you the great. And you are going to be doing this by uh, playing cards from your hand and gaining resources from those cards and from the cards that come up on the from the townspeople at the top of the board. Basically, spending resources in the most efficient way possible to be able to make sure that you are fending off the barbarians, but also that you're able to build a canal before the flood comes in and wipes everything out. And that's how you lose. Now, you're going to play this until you win seven times or you lose seven times. And it is a campaign style game. So as the game is going on, things are changing. If you win, some bad things are going to happen. If you lose, some good things are going to happen to help you out or hurt you, you know, to, to kind of balance the game out. But also as the game, you know, in the middle of the game, something might happen and a story element comes up and new cards come into play. Really cool. Love this design. I've been playing. I've not quite played through the entire campaign yet, but I'm really close and I've enjoyed it every step of the way. That is Legacy of You, and it's solo only. You um, talk about Legacy of You more than I talk about Taverns of Tiefenthal. Did you know that? I don't. That's you, a bold-faced lie. <laughs> you work it into every list. <laughs> it's a good game. Great game, right. actually. <laughs> My pick for solo game is Taverns of Tiefenthal. No, I'm I'm teasing. <laughs> I just took a drink of coffee and almost lost my microphone. <laughs> That's why I, I said I thought oh, all over. this could be a spit take. That would be awesome. <laughs> but no, my my contribution to the solo gaming uh, category is Under Falling Skies. This is a 2020 game that man really came out at a good time. Uh, right as the pandemic had hit, and yeah. this came in, and I played this quite a bit. You needed some solo games then. But this is basically like Galaga or Space Invaders, the board game. It even looks like it, the way that it's set up. But it's basically just a, a dice rolling game where um, you're rolling these dice and then you're, you're allocating them and you're, you're placing them on your board. And you're placing them on these actions that will help you defend from the ever descending aliens that are slowly moving down this modular board. Uh, you can attack, you can repair, you can do science and various things to help to help defeat your enemies. Uh, it it really does feel like those games, a little bit in slow motion, you know, because you're waiting for them to descend. But it is challenging, it's difficult, and it's so much fun. I love dice placing and drafting, and you know, using your your uh, using your dice as basically workers in a sense. And it comes with a campaign mode as well. You can play through this campaign that takes you through various cities where you're keeping off. Or, or you're you're keeping away the the alien invaders. It it's a lot of fun. Under Falling Skies, a great solo gaming experience. Yep, totally agree. Really fun game. Kind of gives me feels of Sky Team, not the way that plays, the way that it looks actually. But yep, uh, this is one that I have played quite a bit as well. Great pick for your solo games. Now we're gonna go to moving back. I'm tired of playing just games by myself. Now I, I need to ease back into this, but I don't want to play games that are in your face. I need to ease into this. So let's play games where we're working together, Darren. Cooperative games is what we're looking at next. My pick is Mist Over Carcassonne. This is a great pick, especially... Thank you, Dean. Great pick. <laughs> this is a great pick, especially if you already know that you, the person likes Carcassonne and they like cooperative games. This is a no-brainer. The cool thing that this adds is it also eases you into the game. So 
you're not getting everything thrown at you at one time. It kind of works in a campaign-esque manner where you start and you're working together to be able to get the ghost out of the castle by uh, and also reaching a threshold of points. But you can never get to that threshold of points if the ghosts just take over. And so you need to make sure that you're managing those while also gaining points together. And I think that is a really cool version. I didn't know how that was going to work out, but I can tell you it works out really well. And there's new elements that come into the game. I won't spoil any of that. I mean, you can see it, but it's, I, I won't do it, but it's, it's cool. There's lots of cool stuff that comes out in this game. Highly recommend Mist Over Carcassonne. Yeah, that is a fun one. I've only played that one solo. I've enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to playing that with my wife. I think she'll she'll like that one a lot. My co-op contribution is one that I appreciated the first time I've played it, but now the more that I have watched some of the Star Wars uh, series and things that have come out, like Ahsoka and the clone, going back and watching some of the Rebels and Clone Wars and those types of cartoons, I want to suggest Star Wars The Clone Wars, a pandemic system game. Uh, This is, um, again, a game based on the pandemic system, but is not necessarily pandemic, though it does give you some of those feels. This, in fact, may be one of my favorite ways to play that style of game. It's designed by Alexander Ortloff Tang and published by Z-Man. And again, you are uh, some various Jedis from the Clone Wars series, whether that's uh, Obi-Wan or Anakin or, or what have you. I, uh, I think Ahsoka is one of those as well. I can't, I can't remember right now. I'm drawing a blank. And you're playing against these villains. You're fighting Count Dooku and Asajj Ventress and uh, General Grievous and others. And they have their deck of cards that are going to flip over and do terrible things, kind of like a pandemic deck. But this time you don't necessarily have outbreaks and viruses you're defending or you're you're trying to defeat, you're defeating... Uh, some of the droids and things that that come out and they're spreading from planet to planet. The whole board is just this, it's basically a map, a star map of all the different planets. And you're going from planet to planet to fight the droids to, to keep the, the blockade back. And it plays very similar, but it also adds these squad cards that you can get. So you'll recognize some of the other characters from the game, like Rex and Commander Cody and others are these cards that you're playing to also kind of help, um, defend against the droid invasion. And if you're on the same planet with the person you're playing with, you can actually take actions to help them or use some of your cards to help them with their actions. It's a lot of fun. It's very cooperative. And if the person you're buying for, potentially yourself, is a Star Wars fan, this is a great, great cooperative game. Great pick and a great game. Great production on that as well. All things are really fun with that cooperative game. And the pandemic universe now we and also the Star Wars universe. Now, when I think of holiday season and playing games, card games come to mind. I, I know that these are lots of families play card games, you know, the, the card games that, that we've always played, you know, whether that's like a, a Rook or a Euchre or uh, Spades or whatever that is. We have lots of card games and the board game universe introduces us to a lot of other modern card games. And so I wanted to pick a game that might feel like some other games that people might be familiar with. And so my game is going to be Scout. Now, I kind of put two down here, Bonanza and Scout. They both had some similar uh, appeals. And that is that you have one hand and you can't move those cards around. You can't just like, uh, you know, 
normally you pick up a hand of cards and you're like moving them around to to put them in order. You can't do that when you play these games. But Scout is the game that I will stick with, especially if they are familiar with Bonanza. Scout is a game where you are also trying to get um, runs or um, or sets of numbers and play them out. So if you played Rummy, that's going to feel very familiar. I will put one down, then Darren has to put one down, that's got to be better, and then the show has to keep getting better and better, or you can scout, which is taking a card from a previous set, and what you're trying to do is shed the cards from your hand, and also uh, be able to collect the set that's in front of you by playing out a, a new set of cards, and that is how you're going to be able to get points, play through a number of rounds, and get points. Now, one cool thing I will mention on here is if you are a digital game player, Oink has several of their games that you can play on the Oink app. And so I highly recommend if you just want to check this one out to go on there and play it and see if it's one that you enjoy. It's a good implementation of it. I really like that. But the game itself on the table, it's pretty, it's fun, good times, and maybe has some familiar features. That is Scout. Yeah, that's a, again, that was what, a Spiel de Jar winner a year or so ago. Oh, I forgot um, about that. It was a at least a, a nominated game. Yeah. I can't remember if it won. So big time game. I've not played it, but um, but looks like fun. I love these card games that feel like classic card games, and that's what my pick is as well. There's lots of directions we could have gone with card games, uh, big strategic productions, or things that feel familiar. And the game that I'm going with is Skull King. This is a trick-taking game that feels very much kind of like some classic trick-taking games, but there's no partners. It's just you. It's pirate-themed, and it's it's interesting because you're going to start with one card in the first round, and then you'll play with two cards in the second round, three cards in the third, and so on and so forth, playing 10 rounds total. And so, uh, obviously, the as it ramps up, it's going to get more and more interesting, You've got different ways of scoring points. You know, it is a follow the leader uh, or follow the lead suit type of trick taking game. Um, But there's that there's there's a little twist. You know, there's like if you capture a 14 card, you're going to get bonus points. Uh, The the Trump suit, you know, is you've got the, the Skull King, which is sort of the the ultimate Trump unless the the mermaid is played. You know, you've got mermaids that um, can be beaten by these pirate cards that are in there, but yet the mermaids can capture the Skull King, which is like the ultimate trunk. So there's lots of different scenarios that will play. And one of the favorite parts of the game is when you're making your bid at the very beginning, everyone puts their hand in the middle of the table and goes, yo, ho, ho. And then they have to throw out on their hand how many tricks they are bidding. For So there's none of this playing off of what other people do. You have to know what you're going to bid as soon as you go into it. And it throws a little bit of silly pirateness in there. It's funny if you're playing a room with a bunch of people, people are going, what's going on over there? Everyone's going, yo, ho, ho, and throw it out. One of the other things that's interesting about this game is that if you go nil, like if you bet zero, then you will earn um, like the amount of points for whatever round it is. So like if I'm in round three, and if I can go the whole round without picking up any points, I get like 30 points, if I'm remembering that correctly. So there's a lot of incentive to really try to lose every trick, you know. And so it's a lot of fun, a lot of thinking. This is one that you can teach anybody, everybody picks up. And um, it is one of my favorite trick-taking games of all time. That is Skull King. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think I would have picked this game. Um, if I had to pick top two, that would have been my other one. So that's a, that's a great pick, Darren. Skull King for card games. Now, we are moving on from card games. And we mentioned earlier the game uh, from Beatles and Grimm that is going to be coming out, the Chaos Chaos Ring. And that's geared towards RPGers, tabletop role-playing gamers. What about board games that are currently available for people who enjoy role-playing games? And the game that I picked is one that I've talked about on here before, and that is Tales from Red Dragon Inn, from the Red Dragon Inn. This is in the Red Dragon Inn universe. This is one that's cooperative. You don't have to have played the other versions of the game to be able to enjoy this. In fact, I had never played any of those other games and jumped right into this one. And I have really enjoyed my plays. The gameplay is pretty simple. So it has that entry level and it eases you into the game, which I enjoy quite a bit. The story's fun. The gameplay is a blast of rolling dice. And, uh, you know, it's just a good hoot and holler type of uh, type of dungeon crawler-esque game. So that is my pick for the rpg -er. When it comes to RPGs and board games, one of the, the first games that come to mind are games in the Gloomhaven universe. And so my pick for this one is the 2020 release Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion because it is so inexpensive and so available that this is an absolute steal. So for that uh, rpg -er in your life, or if you happen to be one, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion is fantastic. It is basically Gloomhaven without all the extra characters and, and some of the other um, rules that go along with retiring characters and those and classes and those types of things. This is you open the box with four characters and you've got the first five scenarios that it will teach you. It will onboard you onto this game in a very slow and gradual way if you want. Uh, and if you already know the game and you just you know how Gloomhaven plays, then you can just play those for the story, or you can just skip those and like jump to the, the fifth scenario anyway. But by scenario five, you're basically playing full-blown Gloomhaven. And it is so well done, dungeon crawling, monster fighting, goal achieving, loot stealing, uh, with a very good story, lots of components, and you can even buy that the reset pack, you know, to reset your board and stickers. We've talked enough about Gloomhaven in the past. This is a no-brainer. For the for the RPG -er, or perhaps yourself in your life. Excellent, great pick as well. Also, I love the price tag on that one. Tales from Red Dragon. It I didn't mention this one. That is on the pricier side, but you get a lot of content in the box. There's a lot to go through and uh, and enjoy in there. But that is our RPGers. Now on to what I think of in the holidays is you get you get, you get a lot of snow up there. We don't get as much down here, but on snowy <laughs> days or really cold days, there's nothing better than than warming up next to the fire, sitting down with a good book and reading it. So what about board games that can tell those book lovers to put your book down and play a game with me? That is what we're looking at right now. These are board gamers for book lovers. Now, everybody loves Harry Potter. Everybody. <laughs> there is not a person out there that does not love Harry Potter, right? That well... is not true. But it's a good bet. I would say, what game does my friend like? Or Sorry, what book does my friend like or love? And let me get a game that is based around that. Well, I know a lot of people who really enjoy Harry Potter, and so I recommend getting Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, which is an introduction-type game to the deck-building 
genre. And the cool thing about this one is it also kind of leads you into the game. It starts off kind of hand-holding and then it gets more and more difficult as the game goes on, as you play through the campaign. There's expansions for this. There's a spin-off two-player head-to-head dueling game. Really cool. It's been a big hit when we've played through this one, played through expansion stuff and all the other stuff. It's it's a good time, lots of content for it, and one that is a great one for Harry Potter loving fans. Excellent. I do love me some Harry Potter Hogwarts battle. What I also love is I have a wide, very eclectic um, library of literature in my in my house. I love all different types of books. I especially love some of the classics. Um, so my pick for this one it might be considered a cheat. We've talked about it a whole lot. I won't say too much, but this is going to be unmatched because in the unmatched gaming system, you can play characters from all of your old favorite uh, fairy tales or literature that you either liked or disliked in high school or whatever. You know, you can play with classics like Beowulf. You can play with, uh, you know, some of the fairy tales like a, or, or nursery rhymes, you know, and the various things like, um, like Little Red Riding Hood. But you can also play Victorian literature. I've been reading a whole lot of that old Victorian literature here lately. You can play the Cobble and Fog and Cobble and Fog um, set, which comes with Sherlock Holmes and Dracula and the Invisible Man and Jekyll and Hyde. And there's all these different characters from from Greek um, from Greek legend, such as Achilles and others. And again, it's a simple uh, deck hand management game where you've got 30 cards in your deck and you're drawing cards, you're moving your character, your beautiful sculpt around the board and you're battling each other. And we've said it before, but they do such an amazing job of making these characters feel like the actual characters and just a deck of cards. You can do various things that you expect that character to do from literature. Like Sherlock Holmes can actually do things to deduce what cards you're going to play and make you discard cards. Uh, Invisible Man can, you know, show up here and then he shows up there and people don't know where he is. It's uh, it's so well done. This is, again, another restoration game. It can play anywhere now, depending on what set you get, anywhere from one to four. You know, so the, the, the possibilities are endless for you book lovers. That is unmatched. Great pick. And you didn't even mention the comic book lovers. Lots of comic book lovers that might enjoy That's right. this as well. That's exactly right. Yeah, all the Marvel sets are out there. And even the 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 golden... The Golden Bat and the Tales to Amaze bit, I think maybe fits in that area yeah. as well. Yeah, great pick. Great pick for those literature lovers to find some good Easter eggs in there, like you were talking about, in the way that the cards play out. Now, moving on to meat and potatoes, or, um, <laughs> I don't know, tofu and potatoes, if you are into that, which I am. And we're going to look at some strategy games, maybe some that could be heavier, some that could be Euroy in nature. They are Euroy in nature. And my pick for strategy game is White Castle. Now, this is the White Castle. It, it's one that has been out, came out this year. It's a follow up game to Red Cathedral. It is a pretty simple game to play. There's some, you know, little fiddly rules in there, I guess, but not, not too bad. But it's nothing that if somebody has played any uh, Euroy strategy games in the past, this will not be too much for them. But you are going to be drafting dice off of a bridge and ultimately trying to get all of your different meeples 
uh, three different types of meeples out onto the board because they're going to give you points. They're going to allow you to do different actions. And when you place your die, you'll take the action based on the location that you're placing those into. Pretty simple game. Plays pr fairly quickly, too. You're just going to be playing through a few rounds of this and trying to get the most points at the end of the game. It's been a big hit for lots of people that I've taught this to. And again, especially if they've already played the Red Cathedral, this is a great follow-up to that. If not, maybe you pick up both of them for that person that you love or for yourself as Darren is shopping for. <laughs> hey, there's no shame in that. So keeping with the theme of the color white being on the cover, we're going to talk about Endless Winter Paleo-Americans, a 2022 game designed by Stan Kardonsky and with art, beautiful art, some of my favorite art by Vimicho and published by Fantasia Games. This was, you know, of all the games that came out talking about combining deck building with worker placement, this, I believe, was my favorite of, of all of those because it's not just that. It's also, it's also set collection and area control. It has so many great mechanisms and does such a wonderful job of interweaving them together, if that's a word. So if you like strategy, if you like Euro-style games, but with beautiful art and thematic elements, I feel like Endless Winter is a great one. You've got these beautiful uh, meeples and sculpts that you're placing out to take certain actions. And if you're the first one to take an action, then you get a bonus action. You're using, you're playing cards and building your deck to take various actions, or you can just use them as labor to increase other actions. You're you're burying cards. You know, one of the tricky things about deck building games is how do you call your deck? Well, this actually gives you a reason and purpose to get rid of cards. You can actually call your deck and put them, uh, I want to say in the tomb or in the graveyard or whatever, and they end up being points for you later. You've got tracks that you can move up. You've got uh, megaliths that you're, that you're building. You're moving around the various boards, expanding your tribes. There's so much going on here in a, I would dare say, flawless way of the way that they, that they are, are, are meshed together. Um, I love Stan. I love his games. I got a new one in the other day that I'll be talking about later on down the road. But if you're looking for some good euro y strategic uh, gaming goodness, Endless Winter, Paleo Americans, you can't go wrong. All right. Now we have moved beyond the party, right? We had a party last week with our family and they said, hey, wow, that those were some great party games you brought. We'd love for you to bring some more games. So we want to ease them into some social deduction games. Those are a little bit trickier. But the game that I picked for my social deduction game is Skull. And now I would have picked Feed the Kraken just so we know this, but it's not available, easily available. So I put Skull on my list, which is a game that has been a huge hit with people that I've played it with in the past. Now, Skull is a game where you are trying to get people to um, flip over your skull, basically, or you're trying to flip over flowers without flipping over skulls. So I'm gonna, you're going to go around the table. Everyone's going to place one of their four skull coasters on the pile face down on my personal pile, and then keep doing that until somebody says, I would like to challenge, and I'm going to say I can flip over two coasters without flipping over a skull. Well, then the next person says, you know what? I can do three. And you're going to keep going around so everyone passes except that one person. Now they have the job of flipping over coasters equal to the number that they wagered and doing that without flipping over a skull. If they flip over a skull, then they flip over their main coaster. If they do that, um, excuse me, they don't do that. They get rid, they discard one of their coasters. If they win, they're going to flip over their main coaster and they've won. 
one time. You have to win twice to win the game or eliminate everybody else from the game. And that is Skull. Super simple game. Really a big hoot for people that I've played this with. Plays three to six players, but you can actually just buy a couple sets if you want and play with more players, you know, if you want to do that. But as it is, what a great game that is Skull. Yeah, I've just recently acquired Skull, and we've played that with some of our students and with our family. I know my family has especially has really loved it. Um, so yeah, that's a good one. Great pick. My party game pick is basically 20 questions with a twist, a time limit, and a werewolf. <laughs> this is Werewords. Uh, again, this is one of those that I've, I just love. I, it's hard for, for me sometimes to get people to want to play it because they think, ah, 20 questions, I don't know. But no, seriously, this is a very easy game to play. Everyone knows how to play 20 questions. And in this game, one person is the mayor. They know what the secret word is. And there's an app that goes along with this that, that runs the game for you. So no worries there. The mayor knows what the word is. There's a, a character, the seer, they know what the word is. And there's a werewolf who knows what the word is. And sometimes the mayor can also be the werewolf. You don't know, but the mayor knows the word. The mayor cannot speak. The mayor is just fielding the questions. Everyone is asking the mayor yes or no questions. And they've got this whole box full of tokens they're giving people to let them know yes or no. And everyone's trying to deduce what this word is. The seer is trying to help everyone else guess the word without being too obvious. Because if the werewolf can guess who the seer is at the end of the game, the werewolf can win. Uh, the werewolf is trying to secretly draw people away from the real word. Because again, if everyone can guess who the werewolf is, werewolf loses. So it's it kind of combines this whole idea of 20 questions with werewolf. It plays in just a few minutes. It plays from 2 to 20 you know, and this is the, the Werewords Deluxe Edition, especially because it's got nice tokens. It's got mul tons and tons of rolls that you'll probably never use, but you've got them if you need them. It is a blast. Excellent pick. Really enjoy this one. It has been a big hit with lots of people I've played with as well. Now let's move on to games that need to be small because we're going to put them inside the stocking. And the game that I have for my stocking stuffer is Sea Salt and Paper. Sea Salt and Paper is a game where you are playing a card and trying to get to a point where you can get a certain amount of points and then you're going to then you're going to say I'm done and then hopefully you can beat the other players but they will have a chance to either um, say no I've got more points than you and that ends the round or or take another turn and then get points that way They're, the scoring's a little bit wonky in this one but not it's not tricky once it's just hard to explain through this method without actually seeing the cards but Pretty much on your turn, you're going to be playing a card and you're going to be taking a card. And when you play a card, it will give you a, uh, sorry, you're going to be drawing a card. And if you have two cards that are the um, same type, you play those cards and take the action. There's different actions like gaining a new card or yada, yada, yada. Lots of different things you can do there. The art on this is fantastic. So beautiful. Really fun game to play. I've talked about it on the show before. It's been a big hit. And you can also play it online if you want to play the digital copy on Board Game Arena. It's available. That is Sea Salt and Paper. My stocking stuffer game might push the limits of some stockings, but I do believe it will fit in most. This is Spots 22, 2022 game where you are rolling dice, pressing your luck, and trying to complete these adorable little dog cards. Uh, this is, uh, des let's see, designed by Alex Haig, John Perry, and Justin Vickers, published by CMYK, plays one to four. 
And so you start the game with these two dog cards. They have these adorable pictures of dogs with places for you to place dice. And it has like a certain required uh, pit value on each of those spots. And so on your turn, you're simply um, rolling. You're rolling dice and whatever. Um, well, I'll tell you what, to, to in order to roll the dice, you have to choose to perform a certain trick. There's like eight different trick cards that's available to you. And in the box, there is a whole bunch to add a lot of variety, uh, a lot of variety and variability. And so, um, I'm sorry, that's the same thing. Variety and replayability. There we go. <laughs> and so you're going to take a trick, you'll flip that trick over and you'll do whatever it says. It might be roll this many dice, you know, place them and then roll this dice. Or maybe, you know, it's take a treat. It's, you're going to take a trick, you're going to roll the dice. And if you can place them on your dogs, you will. Whatever you end up not being able to place, you have to, you have to bury. You have this little cute uh, doghouse board in front of you and you've got to bury your dice. And if you ever, uh, have more than seven pip value buried, then you bust and you have to get rid of all the dice that you've buried and all the dice on your unscored cards. You want to try to score your cards because, and you can score a card as part of your turn. If you've got a whole dog all filled up, you can score him and flip that card over and he's done. You can't do anything about that. But if you've not scored that dog and you bust, then you lose all those dice. And you have to try again. First one to score six dog wins, six dogs win. It is uh, a lot of fun. Just pressure your luck, very casual, very easy to play. And uh, just a fun, cute way to spend about uh, 15, 20 minutes. Great pick. All right. Now we are on to family weight or welcoming games. These are games that you want to give to people that uh, may not like more complex games. They might like the lighter games, or you might be trying to introduce them to games. And my pick is going to be Junk Drawer. This is a game that released this year. It is another polyomino game, but it is everyone has their own junk drawer, and it has four different quadrants in there. You're going to be flipping over four cards one at a time and picking which section of your drunk junk drawer that you're going to place that item, which is, you know, like a a watch or a pencil or whatever, and they have different shapes. We're all going to be placing the same tile, but maybe in a different section of the drawer. And once you get through all four of those cards, and you're going to do four more cards and keep doing that, trying to gain the most amount of points based on the scoring cards that come out for each of the different quadrants for your junk drawer. And that is it. Super simple game to teach. The gameplay is really fun. A great introduction game to polyomino games, which a lot of people find appealing. And I am one of them. That is Junk Drawer. My Family Weight or Welcoming Game is one of the hottest games from 2022. And it's finally available uh, more readily. And that is Heat Pedal to the Metal. This plays one to six players. It's uh, designed by Oscar Harding Grenerud and Daniel Skjord Peterson. So sorry, I butchered your names. Uh, it's got beautiful Vincent Detroit art published by Days of Wonder. Um, this is such an amazing game. Again, the, the player count, the fact that it plays from one to six is awesome. Uh, a lot of variety there. It's got some extra modules in there that will allow you to play with extra cars, even though you may not have the right player count. Uh, but in the game, you are just managing your hand. It's like deck building, but not really deck building. And you're using your cards to play down and using the values on those cards to move your car around the track. And as you go through these certain turns, there are speed limits that you have to meet. And if you go too fast through those turns, 
then you have to collect heat cards into your deck, which just kind of clogs up your hand. And so there's that constant tension of trying to know how fast to go, how much heat to take, when to get rid of it. And um, there's there's multiple boards in here, multiple tracks that you can play. There's lots of different modules where you can draft various upgrades for your cards. Uh, there's a press corner type of module that, that can do certain bonuses. Uh, this is so much fun. Again, the first lap might feel a bit clunky, but anyone I feel like just about can can play this game. It is so much fun. Some of the most fun that I had all last year was playing this. It's in my top, I think, ten uh, top five potentially games. Uh, that is Heat Pedal to the Metal. All right. Now, if you have been keeping up, that was 11 categories that we did, and you can't end on 11 categories when you're talking about Christmas shopping lists. So we added one more. However, I'm going to be doing the picks for this one since Darren knows nothing about children's board games, and so I have volunteered to take over this this duty. Now, the pick that I have for children's games, the first one is going to be Enchanted Forest, um, or there's a, another version called Raya's Journey, which is from the Disney film Raya. This is a game where you have to have uh, a good memory. You're going to go around to these different locations, these different trees, finding out it's roll and write, or excuse me, roll and move. You roll the die, move to these different locations, look at the tree, and then put it back down, and you're trying to remember what's there. Then you're going to make it over to the castle because there's going to be a card flipped up with a, uh, a different item, and then you have to go to the castle and remember where that item was and be the first one to get a set number of those items. That's been a big hit for our family. We really enjoy that one. Chicken Cha-Cha-Cha falls in that category as well, but it's not as readily available as Enchanted Forest. The other game that I've got is uh, lots of different names, different versions of this. It's Loop and Louie, but the more accessible game right now is Bluey Keepy Uppy, which if you know people who like the, the TV show Bluey, which we love Bluey in my family, then this is a great game where you are, um, uh, and there's also Loop and Chewy, which is the Star Wars uh, Chewbacca version of this. But in this game, you've got a mechanism that moves these arms around, and as it's coming towards you, you want to make sure that 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 arm doesn't knock over your. In in Loop and Louie, it's the airplane knocking down the chickens from the barn, and uh, Bluey, it's the balloon, and you're trying to keep the balloon up, but. You hit your button when it comes towards you so that you knock it over top of your barn or whatever you're trying to avoid. And lots of good fun. This is actually a fun game for adults, too. Uh, I've seen tournaments of this played at some different board gaming events and uh, board gaming conventions, things like that. So that is lots of different names. Bluey, Keepy Uppy, Loop and Louie, or Loop and Chewy for children's games. Well, that's going to do it for our list of Christmas buyers guy. That's 12 different categories for you. And there's lots of amazing games out there. And I'm sure we left out some great ones, but hopefully this helps you in the shopping season as you're looking to buy games for your board gaming loving friends. Now that's going to do it for episode 152. If you'd like to get in touch with us, connect with us on meepletowngames.com or all the different social media outlets that's at Meepletown Games. You can also go to our Discord or our board game guild number 3407. Thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Later. Why did the Scarecrow get a big Christmas bonus? Why's that? Because he was outstanding in his field. Ah. Uh. <laughs>
I've heard oh, that wait. before, but not as a Christmas cheer. <laughs> that's, that's really something. Uh, okay, here's another one that this could be anything. What did the bald man say when he got a comb for Christmas? What's that? I'll never part with it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Here's one for you. What is a vegan's favorite Christmas carol? What? Soy to the world. <laughs> 